between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. obtain mercy again this evening, tonight we obtain mercy again, we obtain mercy have mercy upon our soul upon our heart help us we need so much help from you we need so much help Lord Lord Jesus our, our high priest thank you thank you we receive help Thank you, Jesus. I ask for fellowship, access, Lord, to fellowship with you, fellowship with your thoughts tonight for every heart, Lord. I pray for encounters, encounters, encounters of heaven, encounters of heaven, encounters of heaven, encounters of heaven. Bless us. Come on, bless us. Blessed, blessed God, blessed, blessed Father, blessed Lord, come and come and ahead to prayer to the Lord. Turn this place, Lord, into a house of blessing, into a ground of blessing. Come and bless us. Thank you. Thank you. Help, I pray for, to help to flow purely with the Spirit. To flow unto journey and thought and scripture. Fellowship, Lord, help us to not walk outside of the path, but Lord, even within the path, and help us to locate scripture and pasture of blessing to bless our soul. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. May you be hallowed as you deserve tonight. I ask me the, the right level of reverence for the for this word we possess our soul possess our vessel thank you lord jesus bless your name in jesus name we pray amen praise god good evening to you um let's open our bibles <clears throat> don't have too much time Praise God. Please, you can uh, just tell somebody I'm happy to see you. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Exodus chapter 28. Praise God. Um, Exodus 28, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Thank, thank you, Jesus. It's, and take down, take down to the Aaron. Uh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 
there is not East Believers Convention going on in, in uh, Nigeria, so in AGFM. I, I'm sure we all know, everybody knows that. So um, please, if you can, uh, as you find time, please just try and connect and, we'll, and you'll be blessed. Um, praise God. I think it will, have, um, it will have a different kind of flavor. It already has a different, it has a flavor of its own. Um, so it's, a, it's the flavor of the gospel. So if you, if you feel like you want to get you know, a, a, re, a refresher of the, of the spirit of the gospel, um, of course the gospel of, the gospel of Christ uh, first and mainly, and also the gospel of God, I pray that uh, as you connect that the Lord will visit your heart Amen. and uh, bring refreshment to you. <laughs> Praise God. <clears throat> And take on to the Aaron, and Aaron thy brother, thank you, Father, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar, Aaron's sons. Thank you, Jesus. So, take unto the Aaron and thy, thy brother and his sons with him first from among the children of Israel that he may do what? That he may minister unto me. So you see the, it says in the priest's office. So you can see that the, the main office, the purpose of the, of the priestly office is for, is for ministry, is um, so the, a priest is, is a minister. Um, we saw from, we're looking at the, that realm of the sanctuary, which is where the, the priest has his office. And we said that, and which, is, which um, co- correlates or which is maps into the second heaven, right? That, that realm is a realm of ministry and the, the beings who, They've raised to to function and to stay. They actually have their lot and their inheritance in that realm. The Bible calls those beings ministers. Uh, it was in bless the Lord, you ministers of of His that what that do His pleasure. Praise God. Uh, so um, ministering unto unto Him. So this is not just any kind of ministry, right? It's uh, when it comes to ministering unto maybe the people of the children of Israel, we see that such thing begins from the Levitical, I don't want to even call the, Levi, the Levites an office. It's not really, you don't see such a thing as the Levite's office in the Bible, right? Um, Levites, are, they, are, they are born into that estate. Well, as a, as a priest, priests are also born, but um, it's, um, there's, the priesthood is actually, apart from being born, every priest is born a Levite, but no priest is, is really born a priest. Amen. So this, this man, when they mentioned, that they mentioned here, including Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar, and Itama, who are Aaron's sons, they were, they were born Levites, but they were not born priests. Praise God. So... Um, and so, on every child who was born in, Le- in Levi, in 
the tribe of Levi, can, has a claim to Levitical um, ministry at some point. They can go into that place at some point by virtue of just the natural cause of their life. They just flow into the Levitical office and they will gain their own lot. They will join with the lot of their own family. Praise the Lord. But priesthood is different. Priest, a priest, priesthood is not just by being born into being a Levite or something that you saw that the Lord later began to say concerning those who will come into the priest's office that there there is even there's sort of a coronation or something is actually a kind of rite or a kind of um, it's, it's a ceremony or something that must be done to them to actually bring them into the priest's office. So that that would tell you that is is showing a a demarcation between the qualification that it takes to be a Levite versus what it takes to be a priest. Do you agree with that? So it means that the, the, the priest is an, is an elevated office in, in the land which, which God has separated out. So in that realm of the separated people, there is an elevated office, praise God, which is that the office of priesthood, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, so priesthood is, a, is actually is something that a Christian, not every Christian is a priest. You know, we've said it many times, he has made us kings and priests uh, unto our God, and we've called ourselves priests and kings, amen. But um, that word priesthood is, um, is a high, is actually a, is a high office in the spirit, and is actually an office that every soul is supposed to come into at some point. There will be a time when the soul should journey and then the soul begin to, you begin to access your priestly office. Praise God. You begin to do what? Access. To access. After a while, the soul should begin to access priestly office. And of course, you can't separate this one. It speaks of office. Then you, you translate it into New Testament, you cannot separate office from stature. Praise God. You can't, this priestly office in the Bible, in the New Testament, has nothing to do with, it's not fivefold, it's not like, uh, I'm sorry to say, I mean, we have, you know, maybe Catholics and all, Anglican and all that who have priests. Um, that doesn't really exist in the New Testament. Praise God. It's not Priesthood is not something that is, um, it's not an office in the body of Christ. It's not an office, it's not a function, praise God, in the body of Christ. Priesthood is actually, um, a, is an office for the soul, that the soul into, is an estate, praise God, that the soul need to grow into. And we see that the, the main sign of priesthood or the, the sign that his soul has come into priesthood is that they've gained ability to minister what? Unto what? They have the ability to minister unto what? Unto God. Amen. Are you with me? I'm not, everybody's quiet today. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have the ability to minister unto who? Unto God. So he says that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar, Aaron's sons. And verse 2 it says, and thou shalt, thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, 
for glory and for beauty. Praise God. That you shall make what? Holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. So it's very clear then that if they are, the task, what he has called them to come and do is ministry, right? To minister, not just any ministry. Like I was saying before, the Levites, you can say Levites have ministry, but the ministry of Levi, they are ministering, Levites minister to the, to be honest, Levites actually minister to the priests and they also minister to the people. But the Levites don't minister to God. Do you see that? They don't, they don't minister. They minister to the priests and they minister to the people, but they don't minister to who? To God. So this ministry here is, is, is God talking about ministry unto me. That, that place is a high office, praise God, and a high task in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And so, verse 2, then he said, And thou shalt make holy garments. So, if he's, what he's calling them for is into a place of ministry, then, and he's now beginning to speak about this garment, it means that the garment is necessary, is vital to the ministry. Do you agree with that? The, the vile, he calls it holy, holy garments. Holy garments. So the holy garments, that word, the word holy is, is still the, the, the term. Is, is, um, you know, holy is a, is a qualification of, um, is a qualification of, of separation, right? Uh-huh. So... When you hear the word sanctification, sanctification is a kind of separation. Do you see that? It's, they are all kinds. Sanctification, consecration. There are different kinds of sanctification, of separation, sorry. Praise God. So one of them is, is separation. The first one of just being separate, which is the Levitical separation, is just separation of one's occupation. That's one kind of separation. You make one separate by virtue of their occupation. Then when you talk of sanctification, it's, 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 sang, it's a separation by purity. Right? It's, all, it's a separation by cleansing. It's not just separation by, by the separation of, an, of, of what you are occupied with. Is then it's another further separation, praise the Lord. And there is also what you call consecration, which is also a kind of separation. So you see that the the wisdom of God's tabernacle and God's house is really to bring forth separation. Is to bring forth separation and to bring forth definition of places, like where place souls, places where souls dwell or souls are in the spirit or places where souls are situated in terms of their, their development. Praise God. Um, so this one is speaking here about now holy garment. That word holy garment is, is also a kind, is now using the term of holiness. Praise God. Now the holiness, the word holy here is also a kind of separate. What is separate that has to do with what, with some kind of purification involved. And you see that that 
is actually true holiness. That's where the beginning of true holiness is holiness that, that has measure of purification. Do you get that? So, so really, a separated thing, I mean in God's eyes, not to the people. You have to, this is a sense you need to begin to have as you are, as you are learning these things. You must begin to use that sense to interpret the scripture that when they're using a term which is almost like an adjective of descriptive term, you have to understand who, who is that description for? Do you get what I'm saying? So, so it means that to, for, to the people, the Levite is holy. Right, but to God, a Levite is not holy. You can, you can understand that. Right? To, to the people, the Levite is holy, but to God, the Levite is not yet holy. When God says the Levite, this is not a holy thing. This being is not yet holy. But to God, a priest is holy. So it means that to God, holiness begins from priesthood. That's why in the tabernacle, they don't attach the word holy to the courts. You'll never hear these holy courts or something like that. You won't hear the, another one, they, another day, they don't talk about holiness when it comes to the courts, even though the courts are, they are fun, there's function in the courts, but they don't attach the word holy. Praise God. But when they speak about the holiness begins from, first of all, holy place. So it means that the to God, the court is not a holy place, right? That the first place that is holy to God is the what? Is the sanctuary. Then there's now another realm beyond the court, which he called the most holy place, or the, the, the scripture calling the word, the holy, the holiest of all, or they call it the holy of holies. Do you see that? The, it's called the, the holiest of all, or the word or the holy of holies, the holy of holies. So, praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? Amen. So, so this holiness, holiness unto God is, um, is something, is not unimportant. Holiness is not unimportant to God. And I'm, I'm speaking that, I want, when I'm saying that, I want you to take that as, you know what I'm talking, let it register inside of you. Just don't, see, don't see it as just scripture here. I want you to begin to, Finally, we draw the words nearer. You have the ability to do that. You just need the, you need the consciousness. You need the skill of heart to bring this word, let it come closer, and, and let it try to, try to find, give the word an entry point into your own existence, into your own life. You get what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. And the Bible speaks about, it says, follow peace with all men, and then holiness without which no man shall what? See God. Praise God. That, Holiness, without which no man shall see God, is the, is, the, is the first standard of holiness. Right? And, and that's one thing that you'll see, that the qualification of, of holiness, the first holiness, the, the, the purpose of holiness is for seeing God. Do you see that? That's the, the, the reason for, or you can put it this way, the reason for the sanctuary is for men to see God. Now, when you've seen God, that's just the beginning of another world entirely of dealings. But, but to at least to see God, to, to see God, you can't, a, a soul cannot see God. It's, 
Maybe it's until the day you start to see God, you realize, wow, I've not been seeing God this whole time. Even though I have been around God's things, but praise the Lord. So uh, seeing God, that being of seeing God, that state of seeing God is only something. It comes only out of a certain quality of heart. You know, that quality, we've been, we've been around that place, we've been talking about it through different aspects. The scripture has been helping us to see it. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's, it's heart. And one thing that's very clear to you is that only heart can see God, right? Do you agree with that? Only heart. And that's the problem. People are trying to, the lowest are the ones trying to see him with this eye. Those ones are clueless entirely. Those who are waiting for a physical appearance of God, that one is, that's just completely, you know, that's, that's too much dullness is what makes a person expect God to show up in that kind of way. But beyond that, there are those who, who want to see God with their mind. Do you know what I mean? When they, when, what I mean is that they're trying to when they say, think, please, can you, can you please prove to me that God exists? Is the mind begging to see God? The mind, I just want to be able to, I want to be able to, can I just, can, is there something that you can do to prove, just to make me believe? That's the mind begging to see God. But God does not, doesn't come to the mind. It's the, only the heart has the facility. There is a facility in the heart to see God. But for the heart of a man to see God, something must happen to that heart. Amen. The heart cannot just see God like that. Something must happen to the heart. The heart must have taken, been taken through the path of holiness. Then it must arrive at that holiness without which no man. Say no man. No man. No man. Praise God. Holiness without me, no man can see God. So it's very clear to you that there is a man that sees God. That man is Christ. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, so Christ is the man that sees God, the man that can see God. So you, you can then see that Christ actually is a holiness. If you want to really explain what Christ is, Christ, when God brought forth the Messiah, the Messiah was, is the gift of a holiness. Is a holiness. It's a kind of, is the Christ was the, is God gave Christ as a gift of a holiness to man. Take, take. This is, there's a holiness without which you can't see me now. Take it. I want to give it to you as a gift. That's what Christ is. So Christ is what? The summary of the holiness of a man. There is the holiness of man. Then there is the holiness of God. Do you see that there's a difference between the holiness of what? Of man and what? The holiness of God. So it's very clear that, that, that a man cannot see God or God's holiness without first being holy. So it, it takes a holy man to see a holy God. Do you see that? It's a, only a holy man will see what? A holy God. That's why the, the standard of God's dwelling, that place, they describe it as the holy of holies. So it's, it's, the, it's the holiness, it's the, it's the realm of holiness which holy men are, are granted access to. It's the, the holy of holies is the, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the temple for holy people or for people that have become holy. Now, let me say, tell you something. After a while on the earth, Christianity will just, will just shift in a certain way. 
not everybody, but I'm talking about the entrance of, of new dealings, new kind of operations. That you know, it's not every Christian and Christian. <laughs> you know, on the Bible, Paul was saying that not all Israel is Israel. He's trying to separate that new. There is second class Israel and there's real Israel. So you see, in the same in the same time, in the spirit, you begin to see such things. The one says, "Yeah, I'm a Christian." Was, I'm a Christian. They are they are in two different worlds entirely. One, they are having two different world experiences. Imagine comparing a being who is seeing God and one who is not seeing God. They will get to a point where one who is seeing God, he can't. He will try to find a word to describe his his devotion. It's not it's not easy to describe such a devotion because such devotion is invisible to any eye, any soul that hasn't attained such a holiness. <laughs> Praise God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I said praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So this thing about um, holy, the said, thou shalt make holy garments for who? For Aaron, thy brother. But he said that those holy garments are for glory and for what? Beauty. So what that is telling you, though, when you hear the word garment, now garment is not different from what is not different in terms of, it's not different. Garment um, has the same pedigree as the being who is wearing the garment. That's one, one rule of garment. If you want to go and sew a cloth now, how the tailor know what to sew, you must have insight into your stature to sew for you. If a tailor doesn't have insight into your stature and he sews something for you, and you try to wear it, you uh, thank you for this effort, but this is not my cloth. It's not, it's not for me. So there's a, there's a principle, a rule of garment, that garment, garment is, is sewn to fit, right? Garment is designed to fit. It's sewn to fit. So it means that there's a, a link, a tie between garment and stature. Do you see that? Garment is the... Garment is, is, what, is what you wear upon stature that take, has the exact shape of the stature. Praise, God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Are you seeing that? So, so what you're just trying to tell you here is that there is, there is, a, there is a garment which holiness wears. That is the, that's, the, that's just the, the message that, that the Lord is trying to pass across by instituting the, it was, it was speaking about the definition of and the prescription of, of, of garments in what? Priesthood. Right, because who is the priest? The priest has the stature, but don't take the priest naked into the what? Into the place of, of ministry. So it means that the priest should not be naked in his office. A priest should be clothed in his office. And there's a clothing which the word, the priest wears. And there's no time to read that, but you can read later in book, this symbol, 
or maybe in Leviticus, in Leviticus, he was speaking about the criteria for admitting the priests into their office. And he said that one of the criteria is they must put on their garment. It's, 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 it's necessary and it's a vital part of that. So it means that you can't, you can't, you can't minister, nobody can minister unto the Lord naked without in priestly office, without what? Having what? A, a garment. So, so that means that in the, in the preparation for the priest, and you see that the, the priest enters with his garment. Right? When it's time to go minister, he does what? He enters. Now, it's, it's very clear to you that the day that, that he is, um, amen, amen, that the, it's, not possible to, it's not possible to have access into the place of ministry without the garment. God said, no, it's not possible. You can't allow the priest to come into that, into that place. Praise God. So that would tell you then that um, in God's sight, you should not separate the stature from garment. So as they are developing stature, they are also developing the garment, which the stature is what is what is wearing. Am I making some sense to you? You might say, oh, what, is, what are all these things again? Let's just, it's just the Bible. Let's, let's read them. These things, they mean something. If God came and said, they must do this, and he's persistent about it, and say, praise the Lord. It means that there's, there's and all of these things are written for, for, the, for people who will be spiritually educated later on, who are the New Testament people, who is you and I, to come and to find wisdom there. So it means that this garment speaks to something spiritual that every soul must have. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, so I said that the, the garment of, for glory and beauty, so, so if you want to really now, okay, what, is the, what does this thing mean? What this means is that, is that in God's sight, holiness must be wearing glory and beauty. God expects holiness. So it means that every that each holiness has its glory, and each holiness has its what beauty. Praise God. So when he's when he was speaking about making the holy garments, it wasn't just unto Aaron; it's also to Aaron and his sons. Do you see that? So, so it means that Aaron has his own garment, which is for his glory and his beauty, and then the sons of Aaron who are priests have their own garment for their own glory and for their own beauty. So, and also you know that the holiness of Aaron is different from the holiness of his sons. That Aaron was ahead in holiness. Are you seeing that? And, the, and it's very clear, if you read this, this scripture as well, when they were sewing the garment, when they described the garment here, you see that the garments are not exactly the same. So, it means that if the garments are for glory and beauty, and then the garment of Aaron is different from the garment of his son. It means that the glory of Aaron is different from the glory of his son. And it means also that the beauty of Aaron is higher than what? The beauty. So it means Aaron was more beautiful than his sons. Amen. Aaron was what? 
Aaron was more what? Beautiful than his sons. And Aaron was more glorious than who? Than his sons. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So when you're teaching, you're teach, when you're teaching the holiness, that, that, well, that's what we are teaching. We are teaching that holiness without which no man can see God. We have to, we have to master that holiness. We have to understand the holiness. We have to teach, but we have to, as you're teaching the holiness, we must teach its glory. And we must teach its what? Its beauty. We must teach the, this glory. And we must teach what? We must not leave the instruction of the glory and the beauty outside the, 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 the curriculum of the stature of holiness. Praise God. So that means that, now one thing that's very clear to you that the seven spirits of the Lord are the, the seven spirit of the Lord is the, is the, is the, is the teacher or is the developing light for the holy place or for the sanctuary. The seven spirits, do you agree with that? It's the, it's the light for development. So it means that the seven spirits of the Lord is, is building the... Now, there are three things that now we are, we are speaking about here. We are speaking first when we talk about development of, this, of sanctification. We have, to, we have to look at the stature. That's one. Then number two, the glory. And then number three, the what? The beauty. The, the stature, the glory, and then what? The beauty. The Lord separates those things for a reason. There's a reason why. Is, is in the, when he was designing the priesthood, there's a, he could have done it. And okay, just the priest, whatever, whatever cloth they want to, we'll let them come. Whatever they want to do. But he separated. He said, no, you have to, you have to, you have to, there are things appertaining to the priest. Right. There is, then there is the government. You see that in, when they, when they are preparing them to enter, there's what you have to do to their body, which is water. The water must be, body must be washed and all, which is dealing for, that has to do with the, the stature that will enter. But then they now begin to speak about the garment that they must wear. Are you seeing? And when you're anointing them, you must, you must not only anoint the, the, the head, you must also anoint the garments. So the, you see the garment of the priest, it's not just, you know, when we were speaking of Psalm 1, chapter 130, chapter, Psalm 133, do you see that? In Psalm 133, that was the image of, uh, of, of Aaron, or it was the high priest, right, and there. And in that Psalm, they were telling you how he's anointed, how is he anointed? Uh, do you see that? This, when I, that anointing there, when you say anointing of oil, praise God, anointing of oil, is the outcome. When you see oil, anointing upon the man, that kind of anointing, is the, is the outcome of the work of the Spirit. Do you see that? So, so it's when the Spirit has worked on the priest and he walked, the Spirit worked on him and said, okay, I'm done working. Then what, when you look at him, what has happened to him? You will find something on him which is are you getting <laughs> that thing is, is powerful. That's, the, that's actually the final thing that must come upon the priest. 
that makes them valid for ministry. It's, the, it's, when, it's not, the Holy Ghost can work, but you, when you check the work you, and you touch it, you, you see this thing, oh, there's no oil here yet. It's that oil hasn't appeared. When there's no yet oil, it means that it's a sign that the Spirit hasn't finished working. Am I getting what I'm saying? What I'm, are you getting? So it's very clear that when the Spirit raise, raises a priest, right, uh, and uh, like a high priest, like this place of Aaron, which Aaron had, is, is, so who is the high priest? The high priest in God's own eyes, though, not just this is God's own eyes, and thank God for Davidic psaltery or his psalmist ministry. Or he was able to pick wisdom. Right, that would, they call him the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was able to, um, David was able to, by the, by the gift which he had, was able to press into the mind of God. Right, he was able to press into the mind, and in and David's mind, he wasn't he wasn't finding limitation. You know, a lot of prophets sometimes, not just prophet, but um, sometimes the prophets are at different levels. Uh-huh. There are some prophets have more breakthrough than others in utterance. Uh-huh. So, in terms of plainness of utterance, right? When you read Isaiah, for example, in Isaiah, when he's speaking, you know that this man is speaking in types, fully. Isaiah spoke almost fully in types. Everything it means that he's had to just take Isaiah and just do and do it in New Testament or things that Isaiah, what he speaks about, a lot of times. You discover when he, Isaiah is prophesying, you can tell that in his heart all he was seeing was Israel in the natural. But even though that Israel in the natural was an organism that was, that was defined and, and hewn in such a way that matters concerning them are accurate concerning the, what they typify. So that's what makes Isaiah valid for you, that when you take Isaiah and begin to read Isaiah with your New Testament mind, then the Spirit of God will breathe upon it and you praise God. But, but you find that even David was not a prophet, but David spoke with, with, a, higher, with a higher accuracy. You know, when he, in his speech, he was, he was transcending, crossing boundary. You can tell. When you read David, you can tell. Read Psalms and all that. You can tell that David was crossing boundary. David, sometimes he will, he will talk and talk. He talks about Israel too about Israel, about Zion, but there are sometimes his speech will break into exactness of New Testament terminology. Things that I, <laughs> are, you getting, are you getting what I'm saying? You were talking about, talking about the heart in some way and talking about the spirit in some kind of way. You know that this sense that David is talking about is more than um, just, David was one prophet that spoke about individual dealings of the spirit. It's rare to find an Old Testament prophet speaking. They speak about the nation, Israel, and all of that, but for, a prophet, for someone to talk about individual dealing of the spirit within the heart, it's rare. That was, that is, that was like a new... Such things were not happening readily to Israelites. So that kind of thing is almost like a New Testament kind of experience, which he, he had language, praise God, to... To speak concerning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so, um, what was I talking about? 
How would I start talking about David and Isaiah? Amen. Can anybody remind me? The garment of the uh-huh, Psalm 133. Amen. Thank you so much. That was key. So, so in Psalm 133, um, so that was, you saw David again. He was showing the image of the priest, right, and the what? And the anointing. Now, why was, why was he taking the priest and putting the priest on, on top of Zion? And uh, uh, praise the Lord. Um, amen. So, it was speaking and then he was, he was showing by the Spirit how anointed in God's mind the priest should be. Right, that was, that was a standard. Let's read there, Psalm 133. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. Psalm 133. <clears throat> Verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. It says, that, Behold, right, how good and and how what pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So it's very clear to, to you that this, this place he's speaking concerning is a, is, a, is a particular point in the spirit. It's not just these brethren are not just separated. These brethren are um, not just, they are, these beings are not just good, right? Or when you say what he's talking about, their, their, their mode of, when you check them, their activity, right? Their, when you talk about their dwelling, their, their, the way when you check their life, their inward conversation, it's not just good. They've moved beyond a good conversation. They are good and pleasant, right? We've seen that before that there's goodness. Goodness is what? The property. What what gives what commends goodness is this what is faith. Praise God. But is faith. But what kind of faith? Ah, uh, righteousness. Faith of the son. Okay. What can I say? What kind of? I mean, what you know? What I'm talking about. We talk about good, right? Faith. What kind of? What faith? His faith has not been tried yet. That's just good. That's the commendation of faith. That's the, that's the Levitical. Goodness means Levitical land. That's the Levitical world is the word of good, right? It's the word of the goodwill of God. Amen. Amen. So it's the word of the goodwill of God. Right? That's the state. That is goodness. But there is, there is goodness that is not yet pleasing to God. Do you see that? There is, then when you talk about, anywhere where you see the word pleasure, pleasure has to do with the second realm of God, which is the realm of ministry. Ministry is the generator of pleasure. That's the purpose of ministry, is to raise pleasure up, right? In the chapter, the Psalm 103, right? You see, bless you the Lord, all ye his word. You ministers, who do what? Who do his pleasure. So you see that second realm is the realm of pleasure. So that word pleasant means comes from pleasure. Right? Pleasant. So when you see something that is pleasant, is something that gives pleasure. So that's the, the what they're, they're saying here. That So this, this position, right, in the spirit. I mean, do you believe all these things? Yes, <laughs> is, is it? 
it's the, the, does any of you still argue that it's one person that wrote the whole Bible? The Holy Spirit. Uh, it's one mind that wrote the whole, all these things we are saying, he put them, he scattered all this knowledge around the scripture. But it's the, it's the, he's trying to define one order. Just one order is trying to is, is, heed the wisdom of these things around so that, uh, so that if, you are, if he can lead you, you will find them. You will locate them and you say, ah, okay. You will, and you will be able to discern, you see the accuracy. They don't make mistakes when it comes to all, this, all these things. When you see a scripture that's speaking about the, ar- the arrangement, check it, they don't make mistake. Then there are some scriptures that are, not, that are not talking about the arrangement. They are scattered to dissuade eyes who are not meant to see. Like, so, so, you, when you see, so you can't, that's why you cannot just say now, okay, so now pleasure means holy place. Anywhere you see pleasure in the Bible, it means holy place. No, you can't do that. Why? Because... The, the, this wisdom will never come out into that kind of. So it means that them, that means it's only the Holy Spirit that you can just go and take, a, go to, uh, Amen, just map out, do word search and everything. Okay, now you won't. But so if you go and do word search and try a line of Bible, it won't make any sense to you. You get confused. That's what makes people get confused. They know this thing is a lie. But praise God. But so there are some scriptures that are, the Holy Ghost put there is to really define the order. Praise the Lord. And so those scriptures, they don't make, they don't make mistake with, those, with these things. So when he's speaking about good and pleasant, so this good and pleasant is, is you're seeing this time good and pleasant to brethren. Are you seeing that? So brethren, right, who are brethren? You know that this word brethren is a New Testament Term. That's for nothing about David too. Why is he using the word brethren? Why is he talking about that? Prophets don't talk about those things. They don't use that kind of word. They can talk about maybe neighbor and all of those. But in the Old Testament, that the concept of brethren doesn't. It's not in. You get what I'm saying? It's not. So this is something about the the, the Holy Spirit really worked upon upon David to to remove the barriers in his mind and in his speech. So. When he's fetching, he's fetching utterance to, to speak, he, he can pull utterance from strange places. And, and David must have been raised to be so spiritual in his mind that he doesn't shut it down, that he can allow, even though when, what he's saying, in my feelings doesn't make too much sense, but he can still give utterance to it. Praise the Lord. And, and, and that's a sign. It's not easy to get such a person. Um, to, for a person to get to that place, there are dealings behind it. You know, when you see David, David wasn't just a guy who has a uh, gift of writing poem. <laughs> Amen. That's not this. It wasn't, it wasn't gift of writing poem. Praise God. It's somebody who they, they took through difficult dealings to tamper with his mind, to tamper with his Aha, uh-huh. praise the Lord. And so they took him through. You can see that his dealings are not separated from his, his utterance, his speech, his manner of utterance. When, when David speaks about brokenness, nobody can talk about brokenness like David. In the Old Testament, nobody has insight into that kind of thing. So it's very clear that that kind of thing, the, if you take a man who has not been broken like David and you give him 
inspiration to prophesy about brokenness. What he might say might be different. It might not be. It might not. It might be easy to. It might be difficult to carry the the attitude of that kind of attitude. There's a Davidic attitude. It's a it's a heart attitude. See, I found David a man after my heart. I was after my heart. What after means that I can I can drop I can drop clues for him, and I will, I'm sure he will find it. I can, I can throw traces of things for him. I'm sure we will find Other prophets might not be like him. They, might, they have the way of their own heart in a way that and, and the spirit might be able to use that. Praise the Lord. In fact, many of the prophets, like you see some of the other ones, God must come through visions. He must come through some of those things for the higher things. But David was just talking. He wasn't vision. He wasn't vision. David was not a visionary. He doesn't need to see any vision. Anything vision, his heart has already seen it through dealings. Praise God. So there's no need, there's no need for vision. God had, they had put a way in his heart. He's a, he's a man after my own heart. It means his heart tangent toward God. It's not easy to, make, to create such a person. And if a man's heart tangent toward God, his mouth will follow. Because out of the abundance of the heart does what does the mouth speak? Praise the Lord. Amen. So, so this, uh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Then you see this unity here. This unity here is the, is the unity of the spirit. Right? So you can see David is speaking in a language that a New Testament mind can easily recognize. Easily, once you've, once you've been schooled in the New Testament by the Spirit, praise God, and you see the word, this word, brethren, when you see the word brethren dwelling together in unity, what's the first thing that should come to your mind? Huh? Nobody's talking. Hey, I'm in trouble. Huh? What? Okay, peace of peace, yeah. This is not a very deep something. I know you guys are too deep, but just, <laughs> just say it. Uh-huh. Just say whatever comes to it. So uh, when you say brethren dwelling together in unity, where do brethren dwell together in unity? Where? Sanctuary. Are you, it was, what, Betty, where is the place? <laughs> You know it, but you just suspect it. You don't really, you're not really sure. Huh? Oneness. Oneness. Okay, where? Where in the scripture? I mean, where in our conversation is this, this place? Here. Huh? Hey, I'm in trouble, oh God. Huh? Hey, on top of Zion. Okay, there's anybody that didn't know that? You didn't know that? You knew it. It's at the top of Zion. Is there anybody that didn't know it? Raise up your hand. <laughs> if you didn't know it, see me after. <laughs> Praise God. See, you have to know this thing, so. <laughs> Amen. This is a bit hot. 
Thank you. Praise God. Okay, is there anybody who doesn't know why it's on top of Zion? This, this, when I say not on top, but it's the, at the peak of Zion that you find this. Is there anybody who doesn't, just, just sincerely from your heart, I don't really understand why. Um, you don't understand, okay. Is there anybody else? You can explain? I, I should explain? Okay, Shana, praise God. Blessing, do you know why? Huh? No? Okay. Praise the Lord. So, um, dwelling together. So, brethren, where, where brethren dwell together in, in unity um, is this, this unity is, the Bible speaks about perfecting the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, right? That this unity is also what the Bible calls the unity of the faith in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay? Now, when you're hearing the word brethren, brethren is are people who share a particular kind of love. It's called the love of the brethren. Right? In First Timothy, in chapter 1, he spoke about that you should love one another, that would one another fervently. Okay, let's just quickly see some scriptures. Now, this thing I'm doing, is it, is, is it necessary? Are, do you guys really not know what I'm talking about? Ah, praise the Lord. Amen. You guys are scaring me all. Thank you, Jesus. Or maybe you, you know it, you just want to watch me suffering. If that's the case, God will forgive you. Praise God. <clears throat> Sorry, first Peter. Let's let's see first of all. First Peter chapter First Peter chapter one. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. First Peter, chapter 1, verse, um, verse 22, it says that seeing that you have purified your souls unto obeying the truth through the Spirit. So you see that? The, so purifying the soul um, through the Spirit Unto unfeigned love of who? The brethren. See that you then love one another with a word, pure heart, word, fervently. So, this love for one another 
is the love that comes out of a pure heart. Do you see that? Now, how do you gain purity of heart? What is all? When you say somebody has a pure heart, what is the standard? What makes who has a pure heart? Okay, uh-huh. you're doing like this, so you. Sorry? No? You understand it? Uh-huh. So who has a pure heart? Say it again. Say it boldly, don't worry. Yeah. Someone who has ascended, not just ascended, is that it? You don't remember the other one? <laughs> so, so someone who has a pure heart is not just someone who has ascended into God's mountain. It is someone who what? Who stands where? Huh? Is that what the scripture says? <laughs> If I, I'm going to slow down my teaching from today. I'm not going to be teaching anymore. I will just be, I will just, I will just say one statement and ask question. We have, to, we have to make sure that. So is who? Stand where? Holy place, right? So then who is he that stands in his holy place? He that has accumulated first, clean hand, and then pure heart. So pure heart makes you stand in, to stand in his holy place means you have gotten to the, the peak of climbing, the holy place. So, so it means they hear that those who have a pure heart, right, that pure heart is tied to a love. Right, that love is a love with which they love one another fervently. Right, and they cannot love that way unless they have purified. See, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love, what of the brethren. So, unfeigned love of the brethren, amen is the love of them that have a pure heart. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, the, this brotherhood here is what they, what they call brotherhood. is brotherhood in Christ. All right. Brotherhood where? In who? In Christ, or let me put it this way. In the Old Testament, you can see brotherhood in the Old Testament. When it comes to, we're talking about the standards of God, right? In God's standard, there is a place of brotherhood. You will check it. In, we saw God called Aaron and his sons, right? So you see that where the brotherhood exists in holiness, 
is in the, the place of his sons. Do you agree with me? In that Exodus chapter 28, where we are reading, verse 1, then you see Aaron there. Aaron there is a high priest who has main ministry in the most holy place. So let's remove Aaron. Then you see Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Itama, Aaron's sons, four of them. Who are they? They are brothers. Are you seeing that? That is brotherhood. So it means that priesthood is the law. There's a law. The law of priesthood is the law of brotherhood. Does that make some sense to you? The law of what? Priesthood is the law of brotherhood. That's the law of priesthood. Then the law of the most holy is a different law. It's the law of fatherhood. That is Aaron. That is when you check what is Aaron's own law. Aaron is a father. So, fatherhood has to do with most holy. Are you seeing that? The most holy realm of God. As God, God raises, the reason for, the school of God is the school of fatherhood. Right now, so what, what, fatherhood of what? I'm talking about fatherhood in holiness. There is fatherhood in what? There is fatherhood in holiness. Fatherhood is a, is a different kind of mastery in holiness. Do you see that? So that is the high priestly school of holiness. Then, but there is, when you come below fatherhood, you see this place where the sons of Aaron are, which is they are brethren. Four, you see four of them here. They are brethren. So that, brethren, that brotherhood is the realm below Aaron. Uh-huh. So now, Psalm 133 should now make sense to you. Right? Let's go back to Psalm 133. So, so it's, it's, if you see Aaron, who is a father, then you now check under Aaron. What should you find under him? You should find brethren. You should find brethren under him. Praise God. So, See, so you see that, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to do or to dwell. Now, why are they dwelling together in unity? It's because of something which they have. It's that what makes them brethren is they have something. That thing is called, is called, they also call it charity out of a pure heart in First Timothy and of faith on faith, which is the end of the commandment, right? And of a good conscience and of faith on faith. Praise God now. In First Peter, they called it, after you purified your soul, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Then see that you love one another fervently with a word, pure heart. So it's very clear that this unity here is unity that came out of what? Sincere love of the brethren. That love of the brethren is what produces this unity. So then he said that such beings, what what, what actually composes their holiness are things, is goodness and pleasantness that 
goodness and what? Pleasantness. So these beings are good and, are you seeing that? Aha, uh-huh. so they are not just good. It means they, they've not just mastered the good will of God. They've, got, they've also gained mastery of the acceptable will of God, which is the acceptable will of God is the will of God's pleasure. That's the, is the will of God's pleasure. The acceptable will of God is the will of Zion. So, because they have come into this thing, they are able to then dwell together in what? Unity. Are you seeing that? Praise the Lord. And then he now says, it is like the precious ointment that is upon the head that round down upon the beard. So from the ointment from the head to the beard. Now, they are showing you something that how anointed must you be for oil to run from the head to the beard? It means that any sparing anointing, anointing that is put sparingly, will not run down. It will just stay here. It will just, you will see it shining here, but it's not going to flow. Praise God. So when, they, when they, this picture of the psalmist, what he's trying to portray here is, he's, he's talking about degree of anointing. Degree, how anointed is he? Is that, is it that, that is anointing, praise the Lord. Is that thou anointed my cup with oil, uh, my head with oil, and my what? My cup runneth over. That is the, that is describing the end of the ministry of the shepherd, of the Lord. That what the Lord uh, is talking about, the end of the dealings of the spirit of the Lord. That's the book of the Psalm 23. It's, it, will, it will end with anointing. Anointed my head with oil, my cup. Then you now cause the cup to run over. So, so it's very clear that the, the reason for the ministry of the Lord in the holy place is to cause anointed nature to arise that runs over. Only there is something that only it's only anointing that parts the veil of I mean the veil into the most holy. You must be, the veil doesn't just answer. It doesn't open to it. You must have something, you must have something in abundance. Plenty of oil. That word, plenty of oil means plenty of spirit. It is plenty of spirit. Anointing that part of it, the, the nature which parts the veil. The scripture call it Christos. Christ. It is Christ that parts the veil. You get what I'm saying? That is, there is, and the word Christ means the anointed one. Do you see that? So when you see the, the nature which God gave to man, so when you spoke about the Bible teaching about the holiness without which no man can see God, and I said that that holiness is a gift, is a kind of thing that God gave to, to us, that take this holiness. I said that what he gave to us is a gift. It's called Christ. So it means then that the holiness without which no man can see God is the best way to describe it is an anointing. That's why, that's why that image is called Christ. The image which is the foundation of God is what God must, what, the only thing God can stand upon is that it must be an anointed nature. It's, just, it's an anointed nature because that being he himself is spirit. Everything, once you begin to move into that realm, you're moving into the realm of things that are too slippery. They are too, things that are too spiritual. It takes only 
only, only a being that has so much anointing that, that, that runs over can cope in that world of God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Oh, you don't understand me. You understand me? Praise God. So, 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 so you now say that the school of Zion is a school of anointing. Uh, right? It's a school of what? Now what? What is the meaning of anointing? Anointing means portion of spirit. Or, let me know the word portion. Anointing means inheritance of spirit. What is inheritance of spirit? Is spirit that has become your own. That is it. Spirit that has become what? Your own. That's, one, that's the thing. So, it's, it's now that, okay, it's not just how does spirit become your own? It's not that, ah, Holy Ghost, just give me spirit. No, it's not that. It's that, even if they, he brings all his spirit to you today, praise God. If he brings all his what, spirit to you, when you get up, the spirit might not follow you. Are you getting it? Because it's not your inheritance. So when I'm, this, when, I, when I'm saying spirit today, it's not being filled with the Holy Ghost and all those things. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about spirit that stay to you, that stick. And it's when you're not trying to get the spirit to stay, you now realize that there are many things involved. Those are the holinesses. Uh, are you getting what I'm saying? The, so, the, the spirit, the, the resting of the spirit is the, is the proof of the holiness. That is not every being that has spirit. That was the sign of Jesus. Right? When he came to John, that was when God was telling John the Baptist that there will be a man that will come out. He will have a sign with him. That's how you will know he is the one. Then he said, this is how you will know. How you will know is he who the spirit will descend on him and remain. It means that spirit doesn't just, John himself has spirit, but not like that. It's a sign. If John has it like that, you say, but what about me too? Spirit remained on me now. Am I not <laughs> qualified? But that thing is a sign that it's not, it wasn't ordinary. Spirit doesn't remain on men. They've never been such a kind of a man. And John was a prophet. He would have a sense of what that thing means. That spirit doesn't remain on Spirit comes and goes. It can breach through. It can pour inspiration, pour revelation, pour thought, do something. But the, the spirit doesn't just give me himself to men as an inheritance, just like that. It doesn't just do that. There must be things. In it. It's called the Holy Spirit. That word, Holy Spirit, in somewhere else in the Bible, they rendered it as the spirit of holiness. Have you not read that before? What's, now what's, what's the meaning of that? What does it mean, spirit of holiness? <laughs> That's his real name. Before, it's not just Holy Ghost that comes and baptizes you and gives you miracles. And, and all, nah, that's just the first. That's not really him. That's not really him. His real, his real identity is the spirit of holiness. That one, when you use the word spirit of holiness, you are now you are using a descriptive term. You are describing his function. When you, you are describing his function. Now, what is that? His real job. You know, so his real job is to impart holiness. That is his real job. You get what I'm saying? So, somebody who has so much anointing I can, I can lay hand on the, on the sick and all that, that's not really anointing. But see, if you want to say, okay, I'm really, really anointed, they will, check, they will check you. Does the spirit stay on you and remain on you? That was, remember, means it, you have spirit as a nature. 
I think I've taught a little bit about that, that, that the sign of that sweet remaining on Jesus when he was in Jordan. That was just the father. And then after, when, once that happened, heaven broke open. And the father spoke and said, this one, this is my beloved son in whom I am well, what? Pleased pleasure. In whom I am well pleased. He has pleased me well. Now it's very clear at that point, Jesus hasn't finished everything he came to do. So it means there is more things than the pleasure of God. But what God came to confirm in Jordan is that this man is a, this is a Zion man. He's a man. In, when, I, when they check inside of him, you see fulfillment of pleasures. It means that Jesus stood, was a man who, who is a minister. The person who stood in Jordan was a, was a being who can minister to God that he can generate God's pleasure. And that was what God came to confirm. So it means that in, in Jordan, God wasn't confirming Jesus' inheritance of his divine life. That was not what he was confirming in, in Jordan. What he was confirming was Jesus' that he said that this man has actually come into that holiness. So that holiness of that standard of holiness. That's what he was confirming. So it was confirming in Jesus. It was actually, it was a confirmation of Jesus' priestly stature. Praise God. So, <laughs> so, you, so it should not be hard for you to see that Jesus was already a priest at Jordan. But he was already a priest at Jordan, but he was not yet a priest forever. There's a difference between a priest and a priest forever. Jesus had, it was, it was in, after resurrection that he was a priest forever. He was a priest, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That one is a different title entirely. It's, not, it's beyond a man who did God's pleasure. It's an, another being entirely. A, a priest forever is a divine man. How do I know? Because it's, not, it's a man that's made after the power of an endless life. That's another kind of... Like, <laughs> kind of being entirely, you know, that is beyond just Christ. It's beyond just a Christ. He has, is the power of an endless life. That word power of an endless life is talking about God. It's God kind of power. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. So, so that, so it means that what God, the Father was attesting to is the, the Christos of God. This is the Christ. This is the Christ. Who is the Christ? Is the anointed one. Who is the anointed one? Is who the Spirit descends upon and who he remains upon him. He's the anointed one. That's the anointed one. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. So, so like I was saying, that is anointing that passed the veil. Anyhow, you can look at it through different aspects of scripture. You see the same thing. Same thing. You go to Zechariah, you see the same thing. When they were talking about the, the, the building of the sanctuary, after they first of all dealt with the you know, in that Zechariah, there's, there's a lot there. They're teaching about the, you know, if, thank you, Jesus, at the point, you know, to, to salvage the work of building the temple, there are two kind of ministries that came. Two, they sent two prophets. They, they sent Haggai first. In fact, around the same time, two prophets that they sent, Haggai and then Zechariah. When you go to the book of Haggai, you see his own kind of prophetic ministries. Is different from Zechariah. If they didn't send Zechariah, they sent only, only Haggai. What would have happened was that 
they will be able to will gain strength back. Because when you check Agai's language, he was able to turn their attention. So there's no time, you can't read all this, you can read it by yourself. What was Haggai preaching? Can you summarize the message of Haggai to me? Anybody, quickly. Quickly. It's separation. Separation. It's a, it was bringing about the, the, the or it, was, it was preaching the, the urgency of separation. Like the urgency of what? Of separation. Why, why, why the people miss, need to raise the land of God? He was calling them. All of you who came here to Beautiful, you've forgotten you've gone into your own profession. Some of you are now traders. Some of you are now buying and selling. They're doing all kinds of things. And, you, and they sent you here to come and build the temple. It was blasting them. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that thing did a job. That thing did a job. But if they, say, if they said, okay, only Haggai should prophesy, and then you finish his prophecy, you will awaken the people back. They will all be, okay, let's build. Let's build. Wow. This is why we came here. That's the power of a prophet. They will begin, after a while, they now began to, to give all their things. Out of all the trade they have done, they, some of them will give, they were giving gifts for the building of the temple. Are you seeing? It means that he was able to call them back. But let's assume that Zechariah did not come. What will happen? What will happen is that they will do what? They will go back, but yet they will do something. They will be able to, they will get as far as the courts. After the court, problem will come. They will not be able to. The, 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 the difficulty they were having were in degrees. What was warring against the, the, the building of the court is not what was warring against the building of the, of, the, of the sanctuary or the places of God's holiness. It took another prophet who is not just a, who, who is not just a shouter to call back people, but it took another prophet who is a seer. Zechariah was a different kind of prophet who is also a seer. It takes a seer to detect the problem what is standing against the building of the sanctuary? That was that vision of, of Zechariah. It was about the sanctuary. After, after, they've already, they're already gingered. But there was something they didn't know that the priest had a filthy garment. Garment. And Satan was there beside him because of the filth of his garment to the, the adversary. He had an adversary standing. That's Satan for you. Was talking as long as this this garment is like this, nothing can happen here. It means that ministry cannot happen. What does it mean to have a filthy garment? He had the garment was without his glory and his beauty. So you, you cannot separate the, the, the Joshua the high priest, right? So Joshua the high priest can never minister if his garment, praise the Lord, is what without glory and beauty. Amen. So they had to take off the filthy garment. They took out the filthy garment. Then there was still further revelation needed. That's when he began to see the vision of what? The candlestick. And then the candlestick and the two olive trees. He said those two olive trees, they are the two anointed ones that stand before the God of all the earth. And he was showing how they extend their branch to deliver their golden oil into the candlestick. Are you seeing delivery of oil? So it means that the sanctuary is a place of oil. After I said, 
that not by power, not by might, not by power. I mean that there is some place where power and might can do some things. But you get to a dimension. When it comes to the sanctuary, it's not by power, not by mind. We say, but it's by my spirit. That's the statement. Who saith who? The Lord. It is by my spirit. So if the Lord saith it's by my spirit, then it means it's by the spirit of the Lord. Do you agree with me? Who said it's by my spirit? It's the Lord. What is the spirit of the Lord? What does the Lord call my spirit? Is what you call the spirit of the Lord. So when you say the spirit of the Lord, you're talking about the seven spirits. So he's talking about the function of the house is by my spirit. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. You see. So you see that the, the, one of the main reasons for the sanctuary is to produce anointed vessels, anointed people who have come into this, at least not anointed, like I said, it's not just oil, he's talking about who have the inheritance of the anointed one, right? So the anointed means, how must you be anointed? You must be anointed by the man, by, according to the standard of the man who God gave of the anointing of the new man, which is the anointing of the Christ. Praise God. The same thing is the same thing that they were speaking about in the parable of the virgins. The virgins. Are you right? It's the same thing. It's all about the oil, man. It's the oil. The oil is the problem. The, the virgins are those who have got into the, that place where they are ready to be accepted. It's the place before the veil. The bridegroom is meant to come and take them. But the fault he found with them had to do with the oil. They didn't, five of them didn't have oil in their vessel. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That's, so that, that will tell you that it's, it's all about the... The anointed nature, to summarize what your sanctification, your sanctification is the inheritance of an anointed nature. It's just that we have to now break down and explain. We want to, to teach the anointed life or to teach the anointed man. Thank you. Pratali Satava Nashikate Benosto, Pretivra Casate Beganasi, Telia Fetoso, Patelia, Stiva Patelia, Evrenta Patelia, Evrenta Pat, Eventula to Pat, Evanta Patia, Evlesofentia Pat, Eventu Pat, Fatum Patva, Prenta Pat, Upward Pat. I am come to show the upward part. I have come to show the upward part. This is the upward part I am opening up to you. These are great secrets, great secret. I am opening great secret of the upward life, the upward life, the way of the upward life, the way of the upward life, for this is the way of the upward life I am showing. I am showing you your way. I am showing you your way. Come into your way. It is the way of sanctification. It is the way of sanctification. Come into your way. I am showing your way. I am showing your way. For your way is the way of inheritance. It is the 
way of inheritance. It is the way of inheritance. It is the way of teaching, of teaching, of teaching by the Spirit, by my Spirit. It is the way of teaching by my Spirit. It is the way of the upward life. I have come to show the way of the upward life. I have come to show the way of my life, of my life, the way of my life. In my life, you would find the way. In my life, you would find his way. In my life, in my life, in my way, inherit my way. I have come to show you your inheritance that you may find his way. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it's, a, it's, an, it's an anointed nature. All right. uh, the Christ means, when, you say, when Paul is saying, my little children for whom I travel again in birth until until Christ is formed in you. So you can, you can replace that word Christ. You can say, my little children for whom I travel again in birth until the anointed one is formed in you. There is the, there's the formation of the anointed one. It's a formation. So you're seeing another kind of, another, it's, another, it's another sense of anointing. The sense of anointing is God doesn't want, just want to give you to give you spirit to be around you. God wants to He wants to make your nature anointed. So you see what, what the function of Holy Spirit. God wants you to, to wants to raise you to a point where when they check your nature function, they see the spirit function in your nature. That's what that's the meaning of inheritance. Are you seeing that? That's the meaning of what? That's the meaning of inheritance. Inheritance. Praise God. So, so, the, so it's very clear then that the, the, the sanctification is the, is the acquisition of the anointed nature. That's what it means to be sanctified. Everybody who is sanctified is anointedly sanctified. It's... it's sanctification, they call it the sanctification of the, by the spirit, praise the Lord, sanctification of the spirit. It's called sanctification of the word, true sanctification of the spirit. That's Peter. That's all right? Is it second? Sorry, first Peter chapter one. Say, read it for me. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, uh-huh, through the sanctification of what? Of the Spirit and unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? So what is the meaning of that? True sanctification of what? Of the Spirit. He's talking about sanctification that is wrought by the Spirit. And to be honest with you, that's the only way of sanctification. That's the only way of sanctification. Is sanctification is uh-huh, the is the inheritance of is the inheritance of the Christ Spirit, Amen. Amen. Do you agree with that? Yes, Praise God. So, so, so that's why you say it's like the precious ointment upon the the head. And I ask, why are they using the word precious here? Any time you hear the word precious, it's Christ. Right? 
I mean, when they use the word precious, with the infused meaning that of the pattern. <laughs> do you believe that? Do you, do you agree with that? You know why? Why would I say that? Precious is Christ. Why? Why would I say that? Because of the, the, you, you can look at it from your faith, yes, yes. right? That first of all, you have, the, you have faith, then when it is tried, it's because of the trying of your faith, being much more precious than of gold. So the reason for trial is to produce, trial of faith is to produce preciousness. So the faith which you acquire through, by, sanctif- by, by separation must be tried to be made precious, must be tried in the process of sanctification. So what is sanctification? Sanctification is what makes faith precious. Aha. Right, so then you now see that that the, 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 the goal of your faith, the goal of, when I say goal, I mean the, where your faith is journeying to, is to become precious. That's where you, at first you just, you have faith, then they, they have to must do something to your faith, that the faith of, of Christ. There must, something must happen to it in its natural course, the, is to become precious. Not everybody has precious faith. What they call precious faith is what they call faith unfeigned, according to First Timothy chapter one, right? Is precious faith. They call it like precious faith. What is that now? That is um, that is still Peter. Let's see. Mm. No. Is that Second Peter, right? Uh, those who have obtained like precious faith with us, well, how? Through the righteousness of what? Of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, so he's speaking to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. In chapter one of First Peter, he was talking about the process of making that faith precious. Right, which is chapter, chapter one, he was talking about that your trying of your feet being made much precious than gold that perished. In chapter two, he's now addressing those who have obtained like precious faith with us. So, who are those who have obtained like precious faith? They are those who have arrived at what? As they fulfill sanctification, they've come into that love of the brethren, they fulfill that thing. Praise the Lord. That, like precious faith, the, it's the same thing they call the faith of God's elect. That one is Titus. That's Titus's own language. They use different languages in the New Testament to describe that faith. You know, I've, I've, I introduced us to that faith. Was this Saturday? I was talking about our faith. Uh-huh. So our faith, that's the faith which Jesus authored. But he didn't just author it. That faith doesn't only have beginning. It has an end. So it's not just, if you, it only has a beginning and that's how it is forever, they would just say that to Jesus Christ, the author of our faith, and that's it. Now, what does it mean of finish? How does a man finish faith? Something that's not a journey cannot finish. You can't talk about finishing something. I mean, for you to finish it, it means that it started at one point, and where it started is not where it ended. 
<laughs> you get what I'm trying to say? So when they say he is the finish, so he's talking about the person, he altered the faith. And then, so it means that if he's the author and finisher of our faith, then it means our faith has a, a beginning point and a finishing point. Or another word for finishing is end. The receiving the end of our faith, even the salvation of our soul. That word receiving the end of our faith means, it's not talking about receiving the faith, it's talking about receiving what the end of faith should give. It's very clear, that First Peter chapter 1. Right, that the trying of your faith being, being so much better, so much precious than gold that perishes, and be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ, whom I have not seen you love, but yet believing, you rejoice with joy that is unspeakable, joy that is unspeakable, and that is full of glory. Joy unspeakable, full. Joy unspeakable, full. What's the meaning of joy unspeakable? Joy unspeakable, full of glory. The joy unspeakable, full of glory there is the joy that the trying of faith produces. That joy unspeakable, full of glory is not necessarily speaking about the, the joy of the presence of God himself. He's talking about the, the joy that, is, that, tri, that trial pushes out. It's, are you getting what I'm saying? James talking about, talks about counting it. Is count it all joy. That's the place of, of the sanctuary. It's the place of counting joy. Once, when you stay with the process and you can count it joy, you have broken into the joy of it. Praise the Lord. And then there is, is joy unspeakable. Then how you know that that joy, because there's, that joy has come into... As Excel, it comes into, like I said, it, comes, it receives a crown. That crown is a glorious crown. Amen. Is a word, glorious crown that comes upon joy. Uh-huh. Praise God. So, so rejoice with joy unspeakable that is full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even what? The salvation of your soul. It means that what the end of your faith should push the soul into is salvation. So, Salvation of the soul is the, is the dividend of preciousness. Mm-hmm. When the soul can become precious, it begins to push into salvation. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So, so when you see a preciousness, you are seeing that precious is a commodity in the spirit. Right? Isaiah 28 was speaking about it. He spoke about the evolution, right? He said, I've laid in Zion for a foundation, a stone. A what? A tried stone. Then a precious cornerstone. So the precious cornerstone is Christ. So you're seeing why I'm saying you attach the word preciousness to Christ. And that word for preciousness is what pleases God. Does that make any sense to you? What pleases God is, is, what, um, is what is precious. Thank you, Jesus.
It's like on the earth, there are stones called precious stones. You see, every stone has a precious stone. But everything, but when you, you in geology, if they bring a gravel to you, is gravel a stone? When you see a gravel, it's a type of feet. They say, ah, they can stone something with it. This is a stone. That's like fate. Anything below that is not fate. Like clay, sand. And remember, the Bible speaks about lifting you, bringing you out of a miry clay and setting your feet upon the rock to stay. That was setting your feet upon the rock is taking you up into higher ground. And we're talking about that higher ground is the, is the first plane of heaven. That's a rocky ground. Is the ground of, of what? Separation. So anybody who can find the ground of faith is no longer walking on clay. He has found the first solid ground. The same, play, the same way there's a difference between walking on the beach sand versus walking on a granite. Or the granite or any kind of stone that is solid. You, you, you found a solid ground. But that ground you're standing on, in fact, you're standing on a solid ground. That ground is not, it's not the highest quality. So you're not, when you, you can celebrate finding solidity, which is the faith, which is also good, which is what the first thing they commend in the spirit. You found solidity. Your feet is now solid. Anybody who hasn't found faith, and when I say faith, I mean this faith of what they call our faith that has been uttered, right? In its, in its beginning state, the, the, the lowest of that faith is solid ground. It's solid. Praise God. But once you can have, you can have a granite or a stone, but that's not a precious stone. It has its value. It's not too expensive. It's common. So when you go to heaven, there's a faith that is just common. When you go to the, all these walks, no place of, they all have it. They all have, that's the least. That's the least. The lowest ent- entity you can ever see in heaven has that. In heaven, there is no sloping, there is no sandy ground. Heaven is a ground of stones. All the ground is sure in heaven. When Jesus was teaching about a man that built his house on the sand, he was just teaching that. He was just teaching concerning heaven and earth. He was saying, there's a man that will build his his land on the sand. Right? Well, that one is not a very wise guy. Because it's a foolish man who built his house on the sand. But when all the winds come, there are spirits and then rain and a flood and everything can wipe it away. But there is a man, a wise man, built his house upon what? A rock. A man that built his house upon the rock. They have said, I will tell you who that man is liking unto. Is he that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them. What are these sayings of mine? The word of the kingdom. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. So those words, so everything in the nature of Christ that has been taught to you is to give you a solid ground, to give you a firm ground, a solid ground. But, and then 
to give you a solid ground. That, you know, that ground is not, when it comes to your soul, it's not just something you are standing on. It's the nature of your soul. Your solidity is how, how, how solid you are on the inside. And you know, so that's your beginning point. But after a while, that granite, you cannot compare granite to diamond. Diamond is not an, an ordinary kind of, of, of stone. Gra- diamond is in a, 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 a stone. It's not like a granite. It's a stone that has a league. They have a class. They call them precious stones. They are not just ordinary stones. And you cannot take yourself. You don't know, you don't know the wisdom of how to convert a granite or something into a diamond. Nobody knows it. There's no lab in the world where they make diamond. Is there a place? Ah, we found a secret. Let's tell you, you can just take a stone and then convert. You can't. You can't. Because of those precious stones, they are produced by, it, it takes the heat of the earth crust. It's the, it takes over sometimes millions of years. The heat of the acting upon stone, you, metamorphosis of the stones will be going on. So you now see inside the earth, imagine inside the earth, down, you go and find something that is shining like diamond. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's what? Because what? It, it's been tried and it's become precious. How precious? More precious than gold. It's a precious stone. Praise God. Am I making some sense? So the equivalent of a precious stone in the spirit is the nature of Christ. So in what God is, all God is just telling you is that I don't take granite, but I can commend granite from afar and say, yeah, it's good. It's good because it's solid. It's better than clay. But don't bring it to me. When you, where the place I am is decorated with precious things, that, that anything that comes to me must have a shine into it. It must be precious. Amen. Amen. So, but to convert a normal stone to being precious, it must what? Pass through what? Fire. Must, and that fire is not just ordinary fire. It's a mountain of fire. It's not mountain of fire ministries. It's a mountain <laughs> that, <laughs> of Zion, praise God, that is, is a... So it's very clear that, Mount, that Zion is a mountain of stones, right? You've read that in the Bible. You know it's a mountain of stones. They're just trying to tell you that it's, Zion is, a, is, a, is an oval where they, where they produce precious things, where they, they, they produce a, a precious... Precious nature. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So I was just saying all that to explain this to you. This, I'm 133. It says, it is like the precious ointment. So you now see, is that it's tying the preciousness qualification to ointment. So, so, it's, so it's very clear that the Nature of Christ is like a precious ointment. So when you hear the anointed one is an, is an anointing that is precious. Do you get what I'm saying? That it's not, Christ is not a cheap ointment. He's a precious. That's why. How, how is it precious? Why is it precious? There's a difference between just ordinary ointment and precious ointment. When it comes to, we've talked about the world of stone now. But you, you can move into the world of the apothecary or the world of 
ointments, and in that word of ointment, they can separate between ointments. There is some ointment that is not precious, but there's ointment that is precious. How can you tell a precious ointment? It's by its smell. Smell is how you tell. Praise God. So this, that's why the New Testament speaks concerning the sour of Christ. The sour of Christ. Right? The sour of Christ is the sour of his preciousness. There's a, there's a way Christ smells to God that a normal man can never smell like that. You, you don't believe what I'm saying? There's a way Christ does what? Just an ordinary person can never smell that way. You, you don't, there is a, the mixture is a wisdom that compounds the mixture to produce that exact smell. The anointing oil of the temple in the priesthood, what they anoint the priest with. Do you know that in Israel, you, can, you tell priests by how they smell? Do you know that? If you, in Israel, they cannot, so you can be sitting down in the room now, and the priest is some yards away. Based on smell, you know a priest is coming. Yeah, that's the way it was. That's the way it was. That's the way God designed it. And there's a particular smell you smell, you know that the high priest is coming. The smell of the high priest is not the same as the smell of the priest. God told them, the anointing, the oil they use as their perfume. You know, oil in the Old Testament is not just, it's not ororo, it's not for cooking jollof rice. It's not cooking oil, praise God. It's not just oil. The oil itself is a, is a solvent. They put things inside the oil. So actually, the oil is perfume. When you, whenever you hear oil in the Bible. So when you say Christ, the anointed one, it's just Christ, the anointed one is just a perfume. It's a Christ. Christ is a kind of smell. How, how Christ registers to God is smell. It's a kind of smell. Man, when a man is coming near, if God can, God is not perceiving Christ. That what opens the, the veil is the smell, is the savour of Christ. Who is approaching must smell a certain way. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, and, and souls give savour, different savour, different kind of smell. But there is the, there's what you call the fragrance of Christ, the, the savour of Christ, or the, 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 the perfume of Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he says it's like the precious ointment upon where? Upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even what? Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. So it's not just it's not telling you of how anointed is he is. So much oil from the head down to the beard, down even to the skirts of where? the garment. Uh, verse 3 is, as the dew of Aaron, and as the dew that descended upon where? The, the mountain of Zion. Praise God. For, for there the Lord commanded what? The blessing then, even life forward forevermore. As the dew that descended upon where? Upon the mountain. So you're seeing that if the, if the flow of the oil of the, of the high priest and then they are showing it in a descending order. Right? They are showing the flow of the, of the garment of the high priest. They are, 
there are two, they, they, it's as if they, they shifted metaphors between verse 2 and verse 3. In verse 2, they use, they're using the metaphor of the priest and the descending of the oil. In verse 3, he said it's now ass. When they say ass, they're shifting the metaphor from the priest and the garment, which is a personal metaphor, to the metaphor of a mountain. So they are connecting something. So you see that the, 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 the dissension of the anointing upon the high priest, right, is as the way the dew descend upon Zion. Praise God. It's, it's the same way the what? It's the same way the, the dew descend what? Descend upon what? Upon Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even what? Even life, what? Forevermore. Praise God. So, so this anointing um, that flows down upon him, you can see that it went down even to the skirt of his garment. So it's showing you that the garment of the priest. So if Aaron is like this, it means that even the priests who are under him also have their own garment and they also have their own anointing. Praise God. They have their own garment and they have their own word, anointing. Because they are teaching you here that not only the, is the, not only the high priest is anointed, Zion is also anointed. What is the anointing of Zion? It's the dew that falls on it. So when you check, if you check the, the Zion, where the situation of Zion on the earth is, is also a teaching. It's a teaching. The Bible uses that to teach. When you check Zion, you, it's hard to actually see the top of Zion. Because Jerusalem is a, is a mountain city. It has, it has a very high altitude. Even in the physical, when you go there, it, the Zion, Zion is, the, is covered with dew. So, if, you're, if you want to go and climb Zion, it, people, those who, a lot of times you cannot, someone who is not in Zion cannot see, the, cannot really see Zion, the mountain, from afar. Neither can you see those who are climbing it. It's because it's covered. It's a mountain, it's a Zion, that, it's a mountain that ascends into the dew. you see where it's, it's inside the dew, the, the peak of the mountain, the elevation from the earth is inside the dew. It's covered. It's, it's, it's a type. What they are teaching you here is that that is a metaphor of the anointed surrounding of Zion. Because they, are, they, are showing, they say that the dew upon the mountain is as the ointment that is upon the head of Aaron. So how does Aaron's ointment, how does he have his anointing? His anointing is abundant to flow from his head to his bed to his garment. The same way, how is Zion anointed? Zion is also anointed in that same way. That Zion is covered with dew. Praise God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. <laughs> is this making any sense to you? Uh, yeah. This is the Bible. These are the things they talk about inside the Bible. <laughs> Praise God. So we have to enjoy them. Amen. Amen. So the, um, how many of you want to be covered in the dew of heaven? Is that a thing for you that you desire? You like that kind of thing? You want to, if you want that, 
you must ascend into Zion. Because that dew doesn't come to the ground. Have many of you ever picked dew from the ground before? If by the time it falls on the ground, it's already water. So you know that what is on the ground, you call it dew, but that's not the real thing. What they're talking about here is not just the, the one that gets down here. It's, that, it's the one that is it's almost like a precipitation. Amen. Actually, actually, Zion ascends into the dew. Praise God. It, it ascends into, into it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so you can't come into that kind of, that kind of place, abode, without ascension. You ascend into that place. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, so you, you're seeing the extent of the anointed of the, praise God, the, of the, the garment. So let's just quickly go back to Exodus 28 as we are rounding up. We're rounding up now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. For an escaprovaheto. How many of you know that your level of separation is how much rejoicing you have in all these things? You don't know. Oh, you've not, you've not tied it together since. We've been talking about separation. You don't know. That's the, that's the occupation. It's how much rejoicing. If, if they make you tired and sleepy, then you're not separated yet. It's a, it's a very clear, no, no, it's not a joke. I'm not, jo- and this is not, I'm not just saying it for effect or something. I'm just telling you the actual truth. Yes, the actual truth. No, anybody who doesn't love revelation is not separated. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. Are you getting what I'm saying? When I say love, I mean you love, you, you, you enjoy the, this economy of these kind of things. They are, they are, your enjoyment. Your enjoyment is not movie and going to hangout and buy suya and, and drink malt. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not saying that you don't enjoy those things. I'm just saying that those are not the things that, that's not the world where you come alive. You know, you can go and buy suya. Me, I eat suya too. I eat malt. And if you bring it to me, I'm going to eat too. I get what I'm saying. So, I'm not saying that those things are, I'm just saying, but those things are not, they are not my, that's not my, um, that's not my pleasure. That's not, that's not where I come alive. They can, suya and all those, whatever, it can never make my eyes light up. It can never make me, are you getting what I'm saying? I seen, are you, do you see me in this state ever in anything else before? You can only find me in this kind of state when this thing is open. Are you getting what I'm saying? That it, it means that it's because of, it's, you must, you must, you must, you must, you must switch your, the, the, your delight. Your delight must change. You must delight in the word of God. Are you getting what I'm It must make you happy. The scripture must make you happy. You must, if it's not making you cry, beg God, pray, pray, ask God, do everything. If you, if you feel like you're not, you don't get excited about the scripture, you don't, the scripture doesn't make you joyful. It doesn't, it doesn't make you joyful. It doesn't, if there's anything in your life that still compares to the joy of the scripture, go and cry and go and beg God and ask God that God help me, help me, help me, deliver me from what these things. Praise the Lord. And if you and the, and the scripture knows, it knows your joy level. 
and there's a way it will not open up to you if there's a way your heart ought to be towards it. It is the excitement with which you approach it that makes it open to you. When you come grudgingly and you're trying to, if you just be looking at you, okay, you will just be reading, you'll be reading stories. But the same book that you read story from can become animated, it can open up. Why? It is the way the heart comes to it. Don't, this, this scripture is a strict book. Don't come here when you have other lovers in your soul and then come and be opening something and be trying, don't forget about it. This book opens to souls who have abandoned their life here. They abandoned, they, their life is after you've abandoned your life to the Bible, then it will wake up and start talking to you. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise God. Amen. So, last thing, just very quickly, this verse 2, it says, and, and thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, for glory and for what? And for beauty. For glory and for beauty. Praise God. And verse 3, and thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with what? The spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister unto me in the priest. So he goes on. First of all, he's talking about the consecration aspect of it. Then later, he began to speak about the sons of Aaron. Praise the Lord. And the government. But the key there is verse 3. He says, And thou shalt speak unto all that are what? Wise what? Hearted, unto whom I have filled, say filled, unto whom I have filled with the word, the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garment to consecrate him. So it means that the, the making of the garment for glory and beauty is only done by those who are wise hearted and who have been filled with what? The spirit of wisdom. Those who are what? Wise-hearted. And those who have been what? Filled with what? The spirit of wisdom. So it means then that glory and beauty doesn't emerge in, for priesthood. Glory and beauty for priesthood doesn't emerge, doesn't begin to emerge until the until this wisdom or the operation of the spirit of wisdom, that the spirit of wisdom is the spirit that, that develops the glory and what the beauty. So it means that there is wisdom for Christ, for the glory, and there is a spirit of wisdom for the glory and the beauty of Christ. There is also the spirit of wisdom for the glory and the beauty of God. Do you see that? There is the spirit of wisdom for the glory and the word, the beauty of Christ. There is also the spirit of wisdom for the glory and what and the beauty of God. Now, what is that spirit of wisdom? You know what? I love the word he used. So it's not just talking about the feeling of the spirit. If it was just feeling of the spirit, they wouldn't use, be using the word wise-hearted. 
So it means that those who are making the garment are making it with their heart. So it means that where they put the skill for a garment that can produce glory and beauty is not in the mind. If they use their mind to just make it, it will not be glorious and beautiful for the standard of holiness. That it is wisdom in the heart that translates into glory and beauty of sanctification. So what is the wisdom in the heart? The wisdom in the heart is the, that wisdom is the, is the, the wisdom is the, is the, is the spirit of direction. Is the spirit of what? Direction. What, 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 what I'm saying, direction, what do I mean? I'm talking about, you can imagine the weaving of a garment is by direction. You are, when you are weaving it, you are, it's, not every thread takes the same part. Every thread, different, the different thread have their different, their different paths within the garment. Now, if I take your garment now, I can pick a thread and trace it. I can just trace that. Ah, wow. At some point, it will enter. And it will come out on another side. It's a, it's, you can trace the journey of a thread. Who, who was charting the cause of that thread? It is a, the wisdom through which the garment is made that is decided. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so this spirit of wisdom is the, of the, the wise-heartedness is talking about the wisdom of the heart that will produce glory and that will produce what? Beauty upon a soul. That is being sanctified. Amen. Praise God. That's just a summary. That's what I, I feel the Lord wanted to say, but I just felt to maybe say it out, and the Lord will, will, um, will help us to maybe journey a bit further in, in this. Amen. Amen. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, you have to remember that Christ is first made unto us wisdom. So, that is not spirit of wisdom and revelation. That is not wisdom, spirit of what? That is not Holy Spirit. It's telling you what he's made unto us. Do you get what I'm saying? He's talking about the making, stature. So there's wisdom, the difference between, when you say wisdom, there's the spirit of wisdom which brings resources for making. Then there is wisdom as a person, as a stature. That is, that's, that's what they're talking about. When they say wise-hearted, it is it, the way of a heart is actually an installment within the heart. Praise the Lord. Amen. And without that wisdom, nobody can be holy. Holiness is a product of wisdom. Anytime you see Someone who is holy. What does, what does it mean to be holy? It means that you have ability to avoid pollutions. Nobody who is, who, anybody who doesn't have wisdom can ever do it. That wisdom is not revelation. It's not the bringing of revelation. I'm talking about wisdom as an inheritance within the soul. That is the, that's the wisdom. That wisdom is the sponsor of life. Is the is the one who, when you say, touch not the unclean thing, it's not by, ah, I'm not touching anymore. No, no, no. 
if you know what it takes not to touch or clean things. But there are many things in the first will be able to separate between the clean and the unclean. That's one great wisdom of, of the Bible. The Bible sp- speaks about that, right? That you will, begin, you will know how to separate between the clean and the unclean. Have you read that scripture before? It's a wisdom. Before, you can, before someone can learn not to touch the unclean thing, there must, there must be an active living wisdom on the inside of the soul that is able to make, make the soul avoid uncleanness. No soul can avoid uncleanness without wisdom. He said that wisdom is profitable to direct. Profitable. So to, for you to, the profit of wisdom is it can give, it gives direction. Without direction, nobody can be clean. Some of us, what we lack is direction. Direction. When you feel like, oh, I've tried, I've tried, I'm still sinning. You lack direction. It's not a direction of every single time. I just saw a vision to avoid that. I just dreamt of it. No, it's not that. I'm talking about direction. Wise-hearted. It's, it's wise-heartedness that produces holiness. A soul that's not wise-hearted can never be holy. You find that the evil, when they're trying to avoid one evil, they are doing ten. They say, oh, I'm just going to focus on this thing. I'm going to get it done. They are breaking like 20 other rules in the spirit. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's lack of wise-heartedness that, that what perpetuates what uncleanness. Praise God. The Lord will make us, it will, he's going to cleanse us. He said, if, if your sin be as crimson, if they be as scarlet, now what can make a, a, a being white as snow? White as a snow. White. It means that you must have gained the skill to avoid all impurities, all impurities, all uncleanness. That's the inheritance of Christ. Amen. Just, just begin to bless God. And now, just pray from your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Shantala Maroka Professor Prato Seprava at a Parapasu Creta Magala Kahilos Ansatal Oprasto Creme Ephremen Oste Opra Pahatapao Creme Casuco Capreme Cocapa Heto Beranoske Oframa Ostevrem Tosicre El Presco Ebrahan So Someta Carina Hoske La Fatata Fefetofrem Fefremetoferos Opra Afram, no from El Coromos, Ekalemesu, Lofreme Sosenta, Ekrimando Hikre Hevonos, O Maralaba, Ombra Eka Omikama, Komekanokoske, Sikre, Levendo Le Premihive, Omenikas, Opresupre, and Krenovika, and Opraskelos, Lampatama, Untama, Untam, Pramon Toskes, Kulikren, Alpres, Kulihevenoske. Ermesiho, Rantas, Ompras, Opresu, Previ, Alopresco, Lemprasata, Lengren, Nule, Cahera, Masco, Revahara, Masque, Refata, Lefremente, Fresco, Lebraha, Lemosque, Olimpo, Zasa, Tala, Mama, Maori, Macara, La Mama, Oria, La Mama, Orias, Lever, Le Shembro, Lata, Zubraha, Lampro, Subraha, Monosque, 
Eranosia, Banta, Lumbra, Ophreme, La Pramo, Copramia, Opersi, Le Fremene, Hassa, Sassan, Paralama, Crepala, Moradoske, Efrahalama, Zori, Mazucre, Tuzi, Helos, Crino, Lambra, Mamamamo, Kamakoreme, Kamaro, Koradamo, Koremene, Kota, Cresco, Rofeski, Kiri, Kario, Santara, Mazura, Taprasuri, Elamoske, Ripanama rota prasionara paparo korre geskarama ukrimiki refina rafren sasko prantioski ye pamama mo pra ekremezuskere barono moskere noskere halama broskere noske lefrata elemfranta lupra fasko sengete keto gorikete lepra sasa 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 samari maramaro premalabaro moske Ombraha, Tatali, Krimazukram, Patakarima, Sukrimanti, Ketegedevuski, Lefremenenta Aska, Makriku Utehe, Lembrasa Tamara Mamahana, Luprampa, Luprambula, Pramahamro Hanoski, Lafarama Sassonini Gani Koteki, Lemprahamahasa, Mangreno Larikoski Rehanjo, Lebranoski, Lamprasia, Paro Prefianta, Haprahanamahota, La Prasa Sempromonati Presco Primi Gevenoski, Lembrai Kalama Oriento Sien Jalu Rivishka, Lavan Shampa Mamma Ocean Pamaru Pamaru Pamari Pamaru Pamari Pahalama Tota, Zeski Tikete Kemeni Kurionski Prigeloski, Lembrata Ingrama Ori Pascama Utam Prama On de Lebrahero, Lefenakaha, Fangrika, Vakrika Makuridiski. Lembara mama mama to 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 mi kazu zu 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 biskere protepere repambro praskere bori halama zuprenta miriala boske reprensanta ento likreto korento krepo sukreta ah moshia mama 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 su 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 mi geme mama omba ori mama susie promando ze prama la mara baba hikarudoske. El presata ampra supre begesco, le frenta igal oscamba tamushen pama ombra mama 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 mi andavara mamuria maota lavandresian to Cristo crea la mau rebusque le prahama hota omeansahan. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Father. We thank you for blessing us tonight. We give you praise. We ask that you will use this truth, take it and bring establishment in the righteousness thereof. Thank you, our God. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You between the cherubim.